0: Hi everyone, my name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. This is a podcast where we talk about fanfiction. Each episode, the three of us usually will bring an individual fic to discuss, but as you have maybe become used to recently, we're doing something a little bit different with this episode. So uh, today we are returning to a much-loved, some would say people have fervent passion for this series (laughs) uh, the fandom classic series Uh, so we're very excited to do this next installment in it wherein we discuss a particular fic that we would consider to be a cultural moment in a particular fandom that for whatever reason uh, has remained in the consciousness of people who were in it and maybe people who were not so excited to get to our pick for this episode Brenna why don't you tell us what it is and what fandom we're talking about today
1: Sure, I would love to. Um, the fic we're going to discuss is Presque Vu by Rage Prufrock. Uh This is a fic for the fandom Inception. Uh, it was written not that long after the movie came out. I mean, a few months, but uh, within the same year. Uh, and it's definitely one of the sort of most well-known fics in the fandom, at least I think so. Um, if you look on AO3 and you sort by like kudos or bookmarks, It's very high up in both of those. Um, I've heard it talked about a lot and mentioned both, like, back in the day when Inception was a big fandom and, like, as we've talked about fandom classic options, this is one that's definitely come up um, from ficlets as well, so... Thank you to the people who have mentioned it. Uh, it definitely got into our brains that way because none <laughs> of us were big in the Inception fandom.
2: Which might be surprising uh, given how often we mention the Seriously. movie on this podcast, even when we are not bringing
1: an Inception fic. About <laughs> Inception. Um, but yeah, none of us were like really in the fandom at the time. Um, as you probably anticipated, if you aren't familiar with the fic, it is an Arthur Eames fic. Um, as we all know, that is the, the big ship. For the fandom. So um Reed shaking their head.
2: Oh no, it's just one of the, we'll get into it later, but it's like the, that that's the that's the ship And what's it, it based is. off of? One line, so pretty much. much. <laughs> like four. Infinite yeah, content. sorry, we did we did um, do some research yesterday, four <laughs> lines maybe of them quipping at one another. <laughs> uh
1: but yeah, so that's the fic and the fandom. Uh Reed, do you want to tell us a little bit about what goes on in this
2: fic? Sure. I would love to. Um, this fic is canon compliant. It takes place, um, pre-canon, during canon, and a little bit post-canon. Um, and it starts with a pretty heavy focus on Arthur and Maul's friendship. Um, if you've seen the movie, you might know Maul not really around, and when she is, it is only in sort of rememberings of her in the past and some funky dream stuff. Uh, so this fic does the heavy work of fleshing out the world before the movie. Um, we will get more into the details of the fic and content warnings and all of that stuff when we properly start our discussion. But um, as ever, because this is a fic click episode, we have to start with a rousing intro that uh, in this case does relate to the topic pretty well. Sometimes our intros are really out there, but yeah. So very, very briefly, if you are not familiar with Inception, which would be a little bit surprising, I think even if you haven't seen the movie, you probably know at least a little bit of it, but like, they lucid dream, and you know, they go into someone's head, and it is a certain location, and you can go into multiple levels, and the more levels you go down, the more wonky things get. Um, And in this fic, the characters do a lot of sort of showing each other just different memories through dreams and so we thought it'd be fun to talk about what it might look like if the three of us were <laughs> dream sharing i guess yeah yeah dibs on being arthur in this trio in- incepting <laughs> each other <laughs> wait okay does that mean that brenda and i have to be dom and Mall? yeah oh sorry okay. uh well Brenna, which one of us wants to be the manic pixie dream girl <laughs> Um, I, mean, I which be Leonardo
1: DiCaprio. I want to be Leonardo DiCaprio. You do or you don't? I do. Yeah. Okay, perfect. I mean, I
2: have I have blue hair, so I guess. Um, How wearing, does that I'm track, Nicole?
1: I don't know. It just makes sense to me. Okay, that's fair. I don't feel like we really have anything in common, but. <laughs> no, it's like there's something about the energy I just like. Yeah, I do feel like, yeah, I feel like I would also kind of maybe have a hard time at first, like with the dreaming aspect, like Don does in this fic. Mm-hmm. Um. I tend to not really remember a lot of my dreams, and, like, I might get kind of hung up on, uh, like, the mechanics of it, like he does. My go-with-the-flow anti-research attitude would help me out here, I think. It's just a dream, don't worry about (laughs) it. Yeah.
2: I think, Nick, it is a bold choice for you to claim Arthur, given that, um, as previously stated by yourself, you do not know who is Arthur and who is Eames. You just can't keep them straight, even though you've seen seen the movie.
0: I've seen the movie three times. Um, I do. It's not helping my case.
1: (laughs) No, it's not. It's really not. It makes it so much worse,
0: actually. Well, to be fair, the last time of those three was in, like, 2015, I think. So it's been a while. But I don't know. I guess the only thing with Arthur is, like, he's not that tall, and so I wouldn't vibe that much with him. But otherwise, I think we match. Is, is that, he tall?
2: No, is that no. the—are you saying that's the only difference between you <laughs> and the Arthur of this fit? I also feel also, like— I think he is kind of tall. Hold on. I'm he's not short. Sure. I have seen Inception <laughs>
0: three
1: times. I'm sorry. I mean, everyone. okay, some of the other characters might be taller, but I don't necessarily know yeah. that that makes him short. Well, like, comparatively. I think Tom Hardy's probably just really tall. Well, let's look up some heights. Okay, here
2: really quick. well, Joseph Gordon levitt is 5'9. So. Oh.
0: Okay, well, on the one hand, short compared to the other characters. On the other hand, we match
1: perfectly. I don't know I love why this. I just said Tom Hardy's probably tall because Tom Hardy's also <laughs> 5'9. <laughs> yeah, he just has whole energy in <laughs> yeah. my brain I guess
0: it's from Venom
1: maybe everyone's kind of short in that movie so then... maybe.
2: hold on Leonardo DiCaprio I feel Leonardo- I- I'm
1: actually not gonna say anything anymore because six um...
2: feet <laughs> that seems wrong I feel like Dom has the shortest energy I was gonna say he feels shorter to me yeah
1: you know This is very this is enlightening and surprising to me this is um, in good this moment podcast content. Oh I think
2: so. <laughs> I think um my headcanon of not the real actors but of the movie Inception is that they put like lifts in shoes and or filmed at such an angle so that actually Dom Cobb was the shortest person in any scene. <laughs> any scene. Any
1: scene. <laughs> Even with, like, Mal or, like, so Ariane. Funny. there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um... Okay. Like, the kids and dreams. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, not his, his children. children.
0: <laughs> not the imagine? children. Oh, boy. Ooh, that Dom is tiny.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, um, I did preface this by saying we would talk about our different dream structures and not necessarily the respective heights of either actors or characters. So maybe we should do that? sure take it away nick oh okay (laughs)
0: um i think the place that i would take my co-hosts if we were going into like level one of my dream like Mm -hmm. surface level we're just talking memories uh probably my grandparents house um but around christmas uh where they live it is summer in december so we would go to the beach for christmas and the whole house was decorated and it was very cute Um, So I would want to show my co-hosts around there. We could we could jog around in the home. Um, Not that many projections that would become hostile. Uh, I feel like the more people you add into the mix, the riskier it gets. So I try to keep it very contained with those Mm -hmm. like, what what are the stairs called? Starts with a P. Oh. My brain is like Fibonacci stairs. That's, wrong. that's <laughs> no, right. No, you're calling from my they dream. call them.
1: Um, the Paradox stairs.
0: You know the ones where it's like the staircase yeah. that loops in on itself.
1: Penrose stairs. Penrose stairs, yes. At least that's what they say in the effect. I did okay. just search stairs in the
0: <laughs> Source. Rage proof rock. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, so that would be my level one. Should I do my other levels as well, or should I... Let yeah, if we go once. a level
1: deeper from there, from your grandparents' house, where do we go?
0: Okay, so one level below my grandparents' house. It starts to get a little weird. I was thinking about dreams I've actually had, um, and I was thinking about this one where I was a professional soccer player alongside like other random celebrities and fictional characters. Um, I played a winger for some reason. When I played soccer, I was a goalie, so I'm not sure when my brain did that. Um, but it was in the jungle. So I think we would all be playing soccer in the jungle, I would want to show you that because it's a real dream that I had, and so I feel like that gives you the raw experience of my subconscious. Ooh, okay. Uh, and then to get even rawer, <laughs> if we go down to level three, <laughs> uh, Ficklets may recall uh, about a year ago now, we discussed a fic called Vermilion Bones, Slither Through mm. My Veins and Make mm-hmm. a Liar Out of Me, yes. uh, which was an NCT Choose Your Own Adventure fic that was technically unfinished when we discussed it, and I don't think it was ever finished, uh, so... That's fine though, because I, I, in my third level would actually want to complete the fix. Oh,
2: okay. Question. Yeah. Yes. Uh one, um, we are, I think, operating under the assumption that the further the levels you go down, the more hostile your brain gets. (laughs) Oh yeah, baby. Um so does this with next level. (laughs) Right. So (laughs) does this imply that like the hostile projections in your third level are Uh the NCT cast members? Like am I gonna be running from like Taeong in the woods? Definitively, yes. Okay, just checking.
1: but I feel like there were there were also like creepy things happening. Yeah, the, that's why I was yeah, kind of like chainsaw man or whatever. Clowns. So is it like
0: both? Sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, everybody. There's nobody nice except for NCT Jungwoo. Okay, <laughs> I like him. Okay, <laughs> he's an ally. <laughs> Okay, good to know. Yeah. So we'd have to forge new paths to create um a happier ending because I think I got the best possible one and I still lost like six points.
1: Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: So we're we're going for gold well, on the third but level. But if they're
1: all if all the other NCTs are evil, then mm-hmm. like are we trying to save them? Yep.
0: Okay. Well, <laughs> all, all but one.
1: <laughs> Who's the one we're,
0: well, is it Jake? Um, it's Jack. Yeah, he's evil. Yeah. Spoilers okay. for Vermillion Bones, clear <laughs> are my veins and make a liar out of me. At um, but... least <laughs> for Nick's opinions
1: on MCT members. He's also
0: not my favorite, but he's also like a straight up the villain in that fix. So it's fine if we lose him. I think that's safer for everyone. And then maybe everyone would become not evil. Okay. I don't actually know how it would work. We'd have to go find out, but I would want to take my friends there.
2: Oh, uh, well, okay. To so the,
0: the horrible, <laughs> empty, haunted theme park in the middle of the night. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess
2: if we
1: die, we wake up. Yeah, exactly. And we're yeah. back in the jungle. Oh, like soccer. the deeper you get, like the more risky it is. Yeah, We need to coordinate our kick all the way back up to the
2: surface. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's your kick?
0: Oh god. Um. Wow. My brain just threw like multiple really cursed things at me. Oh yeah, yeah. All at the oh, same do you a time. totem? too?
2: Yeah, I do have a totem. Well, Nick can't tell us about their totem, though. That's the whole thing of it. Okay,
1: but, like, we're not, we're not really doing this. I can tell you this. what it would
2: be in the Inception <laughs> universe.
1: Also, like, in this, they totally know what each other's totems are, like, in it's this trick. Yeah, right? Like, it's fine. Or, like, Mall tells them about, like, the top and but everything. But that's when it's they're like, inventing the
2: concept are... of totems. Yeah, exactly. Yes, Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, inventing
1: it too, Read. Okay, <laughs> Nick,
2: tell us about
0: your kick and your totem. <laughs> okay, so I think my kick is probably... Uh, oh, like, you know when you, like, watch or listen to a piece of content and, like, a really specific intonation that someone mm-hmm. said gets stuck in your head, I guess, or a podcast? Um, my – this is where my brain is at right now. My totem and my kick are both Stray Kids related. Uh, they're a K-pop okay. group, Reads becoming a fan right now. Um, so the kick would be from a video they did. One of them goes, I'm your father, and I cannot get it out of my head. <laughs> what? <laughs>
1: so i think that intonation of those words can i pick that as my kick i guess so i think it would probably have to kind of be on loop though because it's like that's like filter into your subconscious to like get you to
0: yeah that's fine it would be that on a loop and then my totem hold on let me grab it oh so i have this double-sided photo card and i think in the reality it's the two pictures that it is like in real life, but in a dream. If I flip it over, it would be a different picture that I like don't actually recognize. Mm. Mm. Okay, so that's that's the landscape of my unconscious. If you were wondering, ficlets. Now you know me better. If you read, if you were sleeping, <laughs> where, where are we going?
2: Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Uh huh. Um. Yeah. Uh. Funny enough. I actually think my first level would also be a beach memory, but the complete opposite season. Um, when I was, I was going to say a wee child, but actually for a literal decade, for 10 years of my life, roughly ages 5 to 15, um, every summer my parents and uh, some of my cousins, my grandmother and I, would go out to a beach house that we rented for like a month um, and It was a little house that we liked quite a lot and it was like directly on top of the bay and then right across the street was the ocean. Um, So we would go be little grimy children who would go play in the Bay and then run across. And then we'd like walk downtown because like the downtown was pretty close and like very small and go to the bakery where I'd get like my favorite chocolate croissant. And then for many, many, many summers for my birthday, I always asked my birthday cake to be a key lime pie from the bakery because it was my favorite thing. Um, And every year my parents are like, that's not a birthday cake. You sure you want this key lime pie? And I said, yes. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I used to like we used to find, like, horseshoe crabs and stuff, and it just it holds a lot of very fond memories. There was a huge bookcase of books that I would go through that had books that I shouldn't have been reading and not, like, in an illicit way. Like, I read a John Grisham book when I was, like, 12, and, like, what was I getting from the firm then? Probably not a lot. but <laughs> It was there, and I had made my way through, like, all That's of the so books funny. that were my age appropriate. Anyway, yes, it holds a lot of fond memories uh, in my heart. So I would probably take the two of you there nice yeah and so then for my second dream i guess um i had only actually thought about levels one and three so i am just <laughs> going to kind of steal nick's idea of um i will take you guys to a dream i've already had nice. uh here's the thing about me Ficklets, is i do dream very frequently very vividly and i tell my friends about it because um, they're pretty whack and i feel like most tonally appropriate for like the world of inception i could take you to the dream where uh Nick, you pulled Fibonacci Spiral from, that's actually from my dream, uh, that I had where I was stuck in a time loop and kept getting like killed, but not in like gruesome ways. I just like kept restarting be like, oh, I gotta break out of the time loop. Uh in one of the iterations, I saw BTS Jin, who was my friend, and then he turned evil and shot me. That was not fun. Um oh, and then myself and like right. Myself and my partner, who is not a person that exists in real life, but it was in the dream, uh, we were at a bar and we were like talking about how to get out of this predicament. And then this like random woman was like, hey, this is going to sound crazy, but are you in a time loop? And we said yes. And then on a little bar napkin, she said, you're stuck in a Fibonacci spiral, but drew like the treble clef for like a music symbol. And she's like, it's unraveling from both ends. And if you don't figure out the knot in the middle, like then like you'll be stuck in this unraveling forever. And we were like, oh, my God. Um, But. Uh, I feel like if I brought the two of you there, maybe we actually could have figured it out uh, because my partner and I in the dream did not like I just woke up and we hadn't resolved anything. But I think I think with the three of us, we could do it. Um, And also, I think it'd be fun for you guys to meet um, my version of BTS Jin, even if he does end Mm -hmm. up causing us harm. I'm so sorry about that. Uh, I don't really control him. (laughs) Um, And then if we go a level deeper uh, and things start getting a little weirder I think it actually would appear very innocuous at first I feel like we'd be like in a forest like a like a brightly lit forest and everything seems like nice and good and like the sun is filtering through the trees and everything's kind of like orangey red and whatever um but fun fact even though I have these very vivid and detailed dreams I like don't see faces very well in my dreams I, I will know who someone is in that way that you know things in dreams I'm like oh yeah that's Brenna but like even in the moment or when I think about it later, there's like kind of just like faceless. Like, I I don't know what that is. I have selective prosopagnosia, I guess. Um, but I, I think going off of that and also briefly diverting to Reed's video game corner, I think the projections like the hostile projections in level three would be just people with sort of pixelated faces that are like stalking you from amongst the trees, um, sort of just like whispering in between, very Slenderman style, and the more you're like trying to uncover my secrets or get out or whatever, uh, the the more they multiply and are just sort of haunting on the periphery. uh, That's my level three, I think. Sorry. Sorry to you both, but I don't think anyone's level three is going to be particularly fun. (laughs) Um, Mine's
1: going to be just absolutely the best place you've ever been. Okay. Uh, You've got a low bar to clear between (laughs)
2: mine and me. You know, yesterday I said, okay, so as Nick mentioned Stray Kids, I am am learning about the Stray Children, and part of my education to myself is going through all of their, like going through every song on an album and sort of detailing my thoughts to Nick and Brenna. And I went through their most recent album, uh, No Easy, and I got to the song Wolfgang, and I was listening to it in my car, and I genuinely startled so hard the seatbelt, like, stuck <laughs> did the thing where it, like, catches um, because they bark at you in the song um, and, like, growl aggressively. And listen, I've been growled at before in a K-pop song. Who hasn't? Uh, <laughs> tayong tiger inside, you know? <laughs> but, um... <laughs> Well, sorry to the non-K-pop listeners. This is whack. But anyway, um, I was really startled by it. And I feel like that sort of like jerk reaction is the kick that you need to get yourself out of the levels. So um, that is my that's my kick, I think. Nice. And oh, God, my totem. Um... Maybe, maybe my totem is um, – there are, like, a lot of memes online about emotional support water bottles. Um, and I am one <laughs> of those people who will just, like, carry my water bottle around everywhere with me. Um, I think I would have a smaller one for these purposes because I have a hydro flask that is quite big and unwieldy. Um, but if I had a smaller water bottle, I think, like, in the waking world, I would have, like, a certain set of, like, stickers and whatever. But, like, in the dream, they would probably shift and be different. They'd probably, like, move around or, like, the bottle would be a different color oh, or something. Oh. And that is yeah. how I would know that it was the dream world
0: like a sticker of an eye and then the dream world it blinks
1: at you.
2: Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Uh, Brenna?
1: Yes. Um get ready for
2: a journey through my mind. <laughs> oh, I'm excited.
1: Nice. Um yeah, I mean, sure, I could do a, a beach house as well, but I'm not going to. I did say that I was going to do some art history bullshit, so that's what Let's we're going to do. do. It. My first level. Um we're in the Arena Chapel in Padua, Italy. Um famously painted by Giotto so that's where we are in level one um beautiful I feel like I've spent a lot of time <laughs> in real life <laughs> uh, looking at the frescoes from that that space I've been there a couple times in uh in actuality as well so thats where we are in, in level one it's a very contained space already so I feel like that works pretty well um you could probably leave and take like a little walk around like the park that it's kind of into but like we're pretty much just there um level two i feel like instead of having a lot of uh projections that become hostile as you go through my levels the levels themselves just become harder and harder to escape it's very like labyrinthian like just unending like you can't get out there's no exit my next one is actually just my college library um another space that i feel like i know very well uh And it was sort of one of those buildings where, like, different parts of it had been built in different eras. So it was already kind of a weird jumble. And, like, levels didn't always line up. And there were little, like, half staircases and stuff like that all over the place. Uh, But I think, similarly to Nick's house, it would all – all the stairs would always loop you back. Like, you can never get out. Um, And there aren't any doors. So that's level two. Enjoy. Um, I will. And then I think level three is basically Alice in Wonderland. Um, I think a lot of what happens in it would be taken from like the original Disney animated film, but the look of it would be the black and white sketch illustrations from the original book. Um, so yeah, the whole world is black and white. We all look like little sketchy people. Um, there are there are projections in this one that are like the characters from the book. Um, and I think at first they do seem nice and that you can keep them on your side, but kind of just like with Alice in Wonderland, a lot of times that they're sort of just out for their own benefit and kind of have like tricks and riddles and stuff for you. Um, and again, you cannot get out. Um, so, I mean, you can die and wake up, but you can't. There's no exit to this little world. You go down the rabbit hole and then you're stuck there. Congratulations, have fun. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, So those are my three levels. I feel like they're very on brand for me. Mm -hmm. Um, My kick is the NCT song Kick It, um, which is both very recognizable. So I think that that would be a good kick in that way. And I also like the kind of joke of it. (laughs) Um, Mm
2: -hmm. I am disappointed you didn't go with sticker, but like Kick It is very I know, but like
1: Kick It's too funny. Yeah, I know. It's good. And it's, it is a little bit more listenable, so... It is quite a lot handle, more listenable. I, I could handle having it as my kick uh, a little bit better, I think. Um, in terms of a totem, I feel like I want something very simple. Like, I don't I would be the kind of person who'd be very worried that my dream self had dreamed up something that looked exactly like my totem, like mm. Reed's water bottle. <laughs> my dream self's just creating that water bottle, you know? Like, <laughs> I can't trust that shit. Um, so I feel like it has to be something that I know works exactly one way in real life, and only in a dream could it work otherwise. Um, what I've come up with thus far is I think I would have, like, a pair of AirPods that never die. Like, oh, my God, <laughs> do I have to listen to about wow. four hours of music to yeah. get to the point of wow. confirming whether or not I'm in a dream? Yeah, I think like that'd be so stressful. <laughs> but I feel like having something like that would work well for me. Or like maybe I could also do if that's like too much of a hassle. One thing that Arthur proposed in this fic that I was like, oh, I, that would totally work for me is, like, a watch that's broken in real life and works in a dream. Um, and I do have a watch for my grandmother that, like, I mean, you could probably put new batteries in it. It's not, like, physically, like, smashed or anything, but, like, currently does not work. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe in my dreams, it, it keeps time. Good options.
2: You know what I was just thinking about? Uh-huh. Um, one time the three of us took a trip together and we talked about the different types of fun and we created our own, our, okay. So type one fun is when you're having fun in the moment and it's fun to think about afterwards. Mm -hmm. Type two fun is when you're maybe not having as much fun in the moment, but it is fun in hindsight. Um... Type three fun is uh, when it's not fun in the moment and it's not fun in hindsight. And I think all mm-hmm. of these things track really well to the three levels of Inception. And then we created type <laughs> four fun, which actually yeah. fits perfectly into Limbo. Because in oh. Inception, when you go into the fourth level of Limbo, you like wake up on a shore. You like yeah, wake up sort of like washed true, up true. on a beach. Um, wet. And that's important because type four fun is when your shoes are wet.
1: yeah you're having fun it's fun in the moment and it's fun afterwards but your feet do get wet yeah
2: yeah (laughs) so
0: uh we've cracked the code i think good job everyone recently we had daylight savings which means i got to acquire one hour of sleep on one night and give up my happiness for the rest of the season much like arthur who has a beautiful short period of freely dreaming in this fic before he is occupationally coerced into working for the U.S. government (laughs) and later on becomes a criminal. Let's talk about the fake.
1: So in the summer of 2010, the movie Inception came out. Um, It was a big hit. Uh, I saw it. I think both of you also saw it when it came out. Um, Not exactly when it came out. Okay. I did. Soon after. Reed and I saw it when it came out <laughs> and they saw it soon after. Um, and many other people in fandom also saw it uh, around the time that it came out. Um, it definitely was like one of the first fandoms I kind of saw just like erupt onto my Tumblr timeline um, and kind of really introduced me into like how fandom works in a lot of ways even though I wasn't deep into this one. Uh, a few months after uh, the movie came out This fic was posted. (laughs) Um, Quick turnaround on this one, honestly. I mean, you know, a few months, but it is 70k-ish, so...
0: The endnotes state that that the author wrote this in, like, two or three weeks. Yes.
1: Intensely impressive. Um, (laughs) uh, This fic very much plays in the canon space of Inception. Uh, As Reed mentioned in our first little bit of this pod... um, it does take place, like, prior to the events of the movie, a little bit in the events, and then a little bit after. It is mostly leading up to what we see in the film, though. Um, it begins with Arthur and Mal meeting each other, becoming friends. Um, after that, Mal meets Dom and learns about this process of dreaming, Um Because Dom's been, like, researching it for the government. Uh, Arthur and Mal kind of decide to play around with it. They're really just having a good time. They, like, go to Europe a lot. (laughs) And, like, Arthur shows Mal, like, scenes from his childhood and stuff. Um, Dom catches them at it, is really mad uh, because it is not something civilians are supposed to know about or be playing with. Um, But then he realizes that Arthur and Mal have had a lot more success stable dreaming than he or anyone else he's working with have. So... Basically, they're like, well, instead of sending you to jail, how about we make you work for us? Um, they're not thrilled about this prospect, but it is better than going to jail. So they do sign on. Um, from there, it details a lot of them figuring out the process of how this all works, learning about, like, how to make dreams, how to sort of build them, whether they always have to be memories, whether you can sort of landscape your own dreams. It's not the right word, but whatever. Um, like, who are the people in it how do you make it the most stable to not collapse or to not kind of turn against these sort of visitors into someone's subconscious um so it's a lot of it details a lot of that process and like the it really builds the world up from what we already know in the movie um they also meet eames in this process he's posing as a government contractor Um, but they don't know that at first. They think he's really a government contractor. Um, There's a lot of plot in this, so I'm not going to get through all of it, but basically this is to say it begins with sort of the discovery of how this all works. It details a lot of that. Um, Arthur and Eames start to have feelings for each other. Then they don't see each other for a while. Arthur goes on the run. Things happen. Things get dark some not great stuff goes on with everyone's personal lives, but it does have a pretty happy ending. Um, So we'll get into more of like the nitty gritty of it, I think, as we discuss, as we usually do. Um, And again, there's just too much plot for me to really like sit here and explain it all to you. Um, That would take up So much time. Um, But before we get into our main discussion of the fic, uh, this fic does definitely have some content warnings. It's not really tagged for anything if you just go look at it online. So we wanted to give you a run through of what we thought was pertinent um, knowledge if you decide to go read it.
2: Yes. So if you've seen the Inception movie, you'll probably be familiar with some of the canon typical warnings. Um, So... There are scenes of graphic violence and uh dying and killing one another that occur all within the like dream space. Um it's kind of off-screen kind of detailed. Um it, nothing gets super gory in our opinion, but um it's definitely very upsetting even though it is fake and you know like people like wake up and they're fine and it all just happened in the dream. Um it definitely has like a mental impact on the characters. Um, And, yeah, the descriptions of, like, the violence that is happening are not great. Um, And also just sort of, like, what the U.S. government is, like, making the three of them do with this new technology and, like, how they want to apply it. Like, all of that is uh, pretty tough and has a pretty tough impact on our characters. Um, Along with that, there is um, unhealthy processing of grief. Um, unreality both in the dream space and also sort of taking that outside of it um, when people wake up and are not really convinced that they have woken up Um, suicide ideation and suicide um, which also goes along with canonical major character death um, and also just sort of like allegories of addiction Um, drugs are used with the passive which is the device they use to dream the drugs themselves are like not described as like the addiction or anything but The dreaming and sort of the wanting to return to that world and the unhealthy fixation on it uh, definitely has similar parallels to addiction. So, yeah, uh, definitely some heavy stuff in there. Um, As we said, this is a pretty dense plot, and so it it gets into some of those things quite detailed. Uh, But hopefully if you have that heads up um, and you still want to read it, I would definitely, definitely recommend I mean, I think all three of us really, really enjoyed this fic. There are a lot of phenomenal things about it, but just... Know these things going in, uh, if you do plan to read it. So there was so much that I loved about this fic.
0: I admit I had no freaking clue what I was in for going in. It's not tagged for literally anything. The summary is fairly vague, uh, and all I knew from these two, who one of you allegedly has read it and the other wasn't sure, it uh, was like, yeah, big big deal, Inception fic, Arthur Eames, and I was like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> Um, So I really had no idea. There was a time where, like, I wasn't sure if it was actually set in the canon of the movie timeline or not, or what was going on there. Is there Inception and Dreaming stuff? Uh, There is spoilers. But I just really, really, really liked it. I think it was extraordinarily novel-esque. One of my notes says that the first, I don't know, two, two or three, like, scenes or, like, sections totally read, like, a short story in the New Yorker. Um, the characterization was really interesting. The plot was so tight. Oh my god, it was so tight. I was so fascinated by how well the author managed to pull together all of these threads and like wasted absolutely no time getting to the point. I cannot believe all of this was packed into like 70,000 words. Um, It just was like a really, really great reading experience. I don't think that you need canon knowledge of these characters. The world, it would help probably to have some. Though I think honestly the fic probably does a decent job of keeping you at least like abreast of what's going on, even if you don't know all of the references and things. Um, overall though, like, totally enjoyable experience. I moved through it faster and slower than I was expecting to, I think simultaneously. Uh, initially I was like, oh my god, it's a dense 70k, and then I was like, wow, but it's a dense 70k that I am moving through because I'm so invested in what's gonna happen next, which is like one of my favorite styles of writing to read, I think, where you're really in it, you're really immersed, um, but you're also dying to know what's happening next, so. Overall, you know, really positive reading experience. This is the first ever Rage Proof Rock fic that I read, and I really enjoyed it. So thank you to this author um, and to my co hosts and to any ficlet that mentioned this in our vicinity and put it on our radar for <laughs> this series, because I certainly would not have gotten here on my own. So
1: really enjoyed it. Yeah, I have definitely read other fics by this author. Um, I thought I had maybe read this one. I hadn't. <laughs> I've never read this. <laughs> this was an entirely new reading experience for me. Um. But it was a really deeply enjoyable one. Uh, Yeah, like we kind of mentioned earlier, like I was definitely in fandom at the time that Inception was huge um, and saw a lot of it like on my Tumblr like Dash and uh, saw a lot of wrecks from people I was friends with and things. But I wasn't really in the fandom myself and didn't read all that much for it. But uh, I had a great time with this fic. I think some of the things I really like in fic are when an author can take a canon universe and build it out so efficiently and this one takes like what is already in the film which has some pretty complex ideas from Nolan going on with it um and gives us a backstory and like builds it out in a way that is so logical and fits so well with the movie and I just found that incredibly impressive and totally spoke to me as to why this fic is so popular and I think has had lasting power um like we kind of came to this one a little bit differently than our other fandom classics previously and ones we'll do in the future because in those cases at least one of us has always been familiar with the fic and the fandom that it's been for in this case sure like we all knew the source content which i I do think is helpful um but none of us were like actively in that fandom none of us had an experience with this fic like at the time of its publication or anything like that um so i think it's really interesting to see what what about it still speaks to us as readers now and like what we can kind of point to as things that might have given it its sort of lasting power and its popularity. Obviously, some parts of that with any big fit can come down to things like, was the author already well known? Like that gives you a boost because people like your stuff and they're probably already like keeping an eye out for anything new you write. Um, what's the timing of it? Something written not that long after a piece of content comes out Sometimes that can help boost a fic. Like, there are other contributing factors, obviously, than than just what's written in a work. Um, But that is also to say, like, I think for the fics that we talk about in the series, we definitely try and look at, like, what about them makes them stand out. What's given them the ability to, like, still kind of be a big-name fic in a fandom many years later. Um, So, yeah, one of the things that really stood out to me in this was the world building uh, and how dense but also digestible it was in that regard Um, I found it really compelling I honestly like have never been that compelled by like Arthur and Eames as a ship Um, I did enjoy how it was written here and we'll get more into that but the thing that really drew me in and drew me along was the plot of it and the sort of takes or the plot of it and how it works with the ideas and uh, concepts that are in the movie.
2: Yes, huge emphasis to uh, what both of my co-hosts just said. Um, as I was taking notes, I was thinking about the fact that if we had sort of like a click drinking game or like maybe an updated version of the FitClick bingo card, um, <laughs> absolutely on there would be us talking about, does this feel like a long 70K, a slow 70K, yeah. quick dream, <laughs> dense, blah, blah, blah. blah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's a reason that all three of us um, keep coming back to this like, it's only 70k and yet it's like so dense and like only 70k like it's not a short fic but with the amount that happens i would expect this to be like twice as long Mm -hmm. um and it was a slow reading experience but like i feel like we've said this in the past um but it you know is it never hurts to say it again that like saying that a fic is a slow read is in no way indicative of like how much we enjoyed reading it um some fics are like light and fluffy and just, like, easier to get through by nature of maybe being less focused on plot or, like, meant to be more lighthearted or whatever. But when something is as complicated and ambitious as this fic, like, you're going to want to take your time with it in order to, like, fully appreciate what's going on. Um,
0: And in this case, in this fic, if your eyes skim a paragraph, you might miss a month. (laughs) You're like, "Uh uh-oh.
2: Like, it's not not slow in that sense. Like, it, it covers a lot, a lot of ground, um... Yeah, I just said the word ambitious, and I think that's fully what this fic is, um, because Inception is such a complicated movie. And I think the movie itself does a very good job of sort of explaining its world and, um, you know, bringing the reader, the readers? No, bringing the watchers uh, into the sort of universe and the rules and whatnot of that world. But, um, yeah, what Prue has done in this fic, I think, is just phenomenal. Um, Touching a little bit on what Brenna was saying about Arthur and Eames um, and what I kind of, I think, joked at in the intro. Um, yes, this is a fic that I was on Tumblr for, like, like saw the rise of on my Tumblr dash and also, like, saw the birth of fandom going, like, here is essentially one snarky line between the two of, like, these two characters, the, you mustn't be afraid to dream a little bigger, darling, and then suddenly it was like, hello, here's one billion fics uh, for this ship, which honestly, I love, like, I have, through Tumblr osmosis, been drawn into a ship that like like I've been drawn into a fandom because I saw so much for a ship that I was like, I want to see what's going on here. And then I got to the source material and was like, where, <laughs> yeah. where did you come up with this? Um, and Inception was not one of those. Like, I saw the movie pretty much I think like opening night or close to it. Uh, so I was already you a were fan already of the movie. shipping
0: Arthur Eames,
2: <laughs> not as much. Um, but like, oh. it is funny because yeah, I mean like I. I don't know. I I can be easily convinced of a ship um, pretty much always. And yet, like, I did not come out of that movie with any shippy feelings Then I saw what fandom was doing and, like... I wouldn't say I was in Inception fandom, but I definitely read a good chunk of Arthur Eames' fic. Um, I thought I had read this fic before. I was like a third of the way through the fic and I was like, this seems familiar. It wasn't. Nope. This was definitely my first time reading it. Yeah, none of us. That's amazing. Oh, Um, yeah, Reed, I thought you had. had. (laughs) No, I mean, I thought I had too. Or I was kind of like, this seems familiar, but like the further I got into it, the more I was like, I
0: guess we should have noticed in our pre discussion when I explained the end of the fic and Reed did not go, (laughs) oh, yeah, I read that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, fair. To be fair, I mean, like, I forget things that I read, like, two months ago. So, Mm -hmm. you know, um, a fic that came out over 10 years ago. (laughs) Sure. But no, but I feel very sure that I didn't read this. Um, I did thoroughly love it. Um, Yeah. just, Just blown away by it. I think one of the things that I really, really liked, in addition to everything else we've said, is, like, the prose, I feel like, isn't, like, necessarily, like, super, like, complicated or, like, flowery or whatever I feel like last episode we were pulling a lot of lines from Fix and being like this and this and this and it's like this fic I think has less of maybe the dreamy quality that some like fic lines do and I'm like oh my god like this thing made me gourdless but on the other hand it it said things so, in such a straightforward manner that when things hit they hit so fucking hard um like some of the most understated things are what made me shriek um so Yeah, I mean, I think the prose fits so well for this plot, this fic, what it was trying to do, that whole thing.
1: Yeah, I think, like, the ship element of this is so interesting to me because as anyone who's listened to this podcast or knows me in real life probably knows, I really like fics in which I am convinced of a thing. I think I said this literally last week about the Max Daniel fic, (laughs) but, like, I really enjoy going into a pairing where, like, I don't really know any of the outside context, like, Maybe I do know, but I also know that they, like, there's not that much there to, like, be ship fodder, necessarily. And then for an author to, like, really convince me that it works. Like, that's one of my favorite things in fan fiction. I think, like, I didn't necessarily go down that rabbit hole of Arthur and Eames at the time that this came out. But I also don't know that I had developed that, that taste back then either like i this was very much at the beginning of my fandom years and i was very much distracted at this t- point in time by social network fandom um so that kind of eclipsed most of the reading i would have done for <laughs> inception i think so it was kind of fun to come back to it so many years later and experience the ship again and read a fic that i think does so much work to convince you the reader of it um, Like, it really takes, again, like, these few lines that we have in canon and builds such an interesting backstory for it. And one of the things I really like is, like, how complicated a backstory it sets up for Arthur and Eames. Like, the point at which we meet them in Inception, the movie, according to this fic, like, their relationship is so complicated in that point. They've gotten together. They've broken up. There's been all of these outside forces that have come between them. There have been a lot of internal forces that have come between them, like... It's been very messy and very compelling. And I think that that's just really interesting. And I also know like the next time I'm going to be watching Inception, I will be thinking about this fic and it will color how I see the movie and how I see their relationships and how I see like the interactions between them and like Dom as well. Like I really love when a piece of fic or any other kind of like fanish work changes how I see the original content. And I think this one's done it so expertly and I just know I'm going to keep thinking about it in context of the movie and like i think it did such a good job of making the ship compelling to me i really enjoyed the arthur and Eames in this and was really rooting for them in the end um and it felt very grounded and also not not too like rom-commy for like the premise of inception like it was a very real and messy relationship that you read through and yeah i just love that that element yeah it's good stuff i mean yeah as someone who
0: I think I've read this is my third Arthur Eames fic, probably, and the first was Jamais Vu. <laughs> which is a previous inception fic we had done, and then
2: another one was I one I read for research for the pod a million years ago. Well, uh, um, maybe technically three and a half 'cause oh. you did bring a white collar inception fic oh, to yeah, the pod.
0: That was Arthur Eames. So true. <laughs> and Matt Bomer's character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neil Caffrey. <laughs> for my color (laughs) another thing I have seen the source material of anyway um yeah I, I I definitely agree with what what Bren said there um and I'm thinking too about I, I was really never even particularly adjacent to Inception fandom. Y'all, I was doing my thing as a little teen in the depths of Tumblr. Reblogging um, Glee remakes of mm-hmm, Inception. Mm-hmm. I did do that. Yes, there's unfortunately <laughs> proof on the internet that I did that. <laughs> it's okay. I'm not ashamed. Um, I seem to really be into it at the time and if it made me happy. But, um, I was curious, so I don't actually think I told my co-hosts this. I did dig a little bit on Tumblr and the Presque PresqueVu tag to see what I could find. Oh. Just out of curiosity, see what the people were saying. Um, lots of, like, fan art and also, like, images of Tom Hardy or Joseph Gordon-Levitt with the tags, like, this is, like, that scene from PresqueVu. <laughs> 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 um, one really beautiful one was, like, a, a book cover someone had designed for the fic, which mm. I really liked. Uh, also, just if you were wondering, there is a Pitch Perfect fake that's fairly popular, Becca X Chloe, called Presque Vu. I learned that. <laughs> mm. Mm. Thank you. Yes. And like Vital a lot of French posts, people speaking in French to each other, and I guess using yeah. the term Presque Vu, like fair enough. Um, so I did find that really fun. A lot of these posts were pretty recent. so um, And some of them were like, oh, thought about rewatching Inception, but actually I just want to reread Presque Vu. <laughs> <laughs> Valid. And I was like, oh my god, I've so been there thinking I want to consume the source material for something again and being like, no, I just want to like re-experience the fandom content. I don't want to go back to that place. Uh, so I thought that was really fun too, to like just have a look. Um, people saying like, oh, the legend. Or like, oh, the blueprint. I'm like, yeah, I-, I see why it was such a huge deal. Uh, Reed said the word ambitious many times in there and uh, introdu- introductory comments
2: about this <laughs> thing—is that what we call them? Makes me sound, I think, fancier than um. You could be fancy. speech. I actually, gave. we I can fancy be podcast. Oh, are we? Yeah, yeah. Okay, next time we record, I'll get all dressed up instead if of if we being were speaking in, in Spanish and
0: I would use the usted form out of respect for my co-hosts. That's oh, thank how fancy you so much. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. It's formalities. Um, but I do agree that it's ambitious, and I think it's one of those things where you sort of alluded to this. Even if there is other, you know, like Canonverse Inception fic, I think the scale of this and the scale of the engaging with the world and the backstory is so intimidating to a lot of other people. And I think there are a lot of ways to do it that don't necessarily land with the same groundedness in the canon, and there are a lot of ways to not do it at all, because I'm not touching that. I wouldn't, frankly, if I were writing Inception fic in the year 2021. I'm not planning to. (laughs) (laughs) But if I did, it certainly would be nothing on this scale and at this level. Um, And it makes me think of this idea of, like, There's this thing for this fandom that I would die to read, but don't want to write. And I feel like Press totally fills that for like Mm. what I imagine Mm -hmm. I would want coming out of the movie if I somehow became like a diehard Arthur X Eames shipper. I'd have to be able to tell them apart first. I think I can now. (laughs) Well, okay. I can tell them apart if you're like, are these two different men? Yes. (laughs) And one of them is Tom Hardy and one of them is Joseph Uh Gordon-Levitt. Before this fic, which is Arthur and which is Eames, God knows. I think I've got it now. Um, but it did take me a good chunk into this fic to like swap them back in my head to their correct positions.
2: Like two months from now, I'm going to set a reminder <laughs> in my phone and two months from now, I'm just going to mm-hmm. text you a photo of Arthur and Eames and ask you which one is which and see if you've actually retained oh this knowledge. I love that. I'm scared. I'm going to have to study. God. Yeah. I mean, we kind of already said this, but I do just sort of want to reiterate. Um, so, so we said that like this, goes into the can of the movie but so barely like it hits the plot of inception at like four fifths of the way through yeah like it's like very very towards the end and it glances through but i think in addition to all of the incredible world building this did it's like it was so satisfying because you were watching prue like put the puzzle pieces together for what the movie was going to be Mm -hmm. um because I had a similar experience to Nick when Nick was reading when you were like, oh, like, is this Inception or not? Like, I, I had a pretty good feeling it was going to be at least, like, Dreamscapy, But I had no idea how much or how little it would play into the plot of the movie. And in fact, um, this fic is like someone wrote a prequel movie. And then was like, this would just be better as fic instead of a movie itself um, to give like all the setup. And I, I think something that's so fascinating, too, is in the author's note, it says that the entire fic was born because Arthur has one throwaway line where Ariadne asks about Maul and he goes, she was lovely. And Prue, I guess, was like, hmm, what was this relationship like? I'll write 70K about it um, and was done phenomenally well. And then you get a little uh, spoiler. As Brennan said that the fic ends happy, and it does, because Arthur and Eames, for all of their incredible complications that happen to their relationship, do get a happy epilogue. And um, I'm really jumping ahead with this one, but, like, I don't know. I think somewhat recently in our discussions we've talked about – I mean, we literally talked about epilogues uh, last episode um, and our sort of reinterpretations of them. <laughs> but I think in general, like, we've read some fics that give that sort of – happy ever after ending and like some of them land better for me than others and I think this landed so well because it one it felt earned two it wasn't like and I'm I'm not saying this is a bad thing since in other I think it works well but I think if the epilogue had been straight up just like and here's Arthur and Eames and they're happy and you get that like immediately I wouldn't have liked it as much but and because they wake up well <laughs> <laughs> but if you had gotten like just like the scene of things being nice and domestic and whatever would have been like, okay, but because you got the reconciliation and sort of that implied happy ever after ending was like the last like two paragraphs, I was like, yeah, this mm-hmm. nails it. Like an epilogue can be so hit or miss for me in this one. Was it hit?
1: Yeah, I think it works because you know that they still have work to do, but it feels like both characters really want to do it. So you can't imagine them getting through that and building something that feels stable, but like it doesn't we don't just jump to that stability which can feel kind of like false I think sometimes yeah um, in any media like definitely not just fan fiction like oh any yeah kind of yes. book show whatever it's like ah here we go it's like um and how did we get there the epilogue uh, so, what
2: epilogue tag for Harry Potter fandom yeah exactly please
1: um <laughs> so I think one of the things I really liked about it was that it felt like both characters were sort of committing themselves to making this work but we didn't necessarily like it wasn't it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows uh right away and like i think also for how this fic goes like you can imagine a happy ending for them but you know that happy ending is still gonna have challenges and hardships and like there's still a lot of outside forces that are going to impact their relationship and I think that kind of makes it feel a little bit more real and grounded, too, like, that we get to imagine them having this happy ending. But we know that it's not just going to be all happy because, like, it's life and they've had a lot of shit going on through the 70K. So, um, like, there's a solid chance also that, like, they're going to, like, break up and make up again. I do think, like, this sets it up very well for them to be, like, the endgame ship, but not necessarily that it's just going to be, like, smooth sailing. Yeah. Yeah, they're
0: not the endgame ship because they are... Like capital the end game ship. Um, but they are because we've seen the ways in which they work and we've seen mm-hmm. the friction between them. Like we, we do get to see them happy for a good chunk of this fic, oh, a small chunk of this fic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I really like that. One of my favorite things in fiction, especially in like fictional romance and relationships, is a romance where it's initially built in this situation that's separate from reality in some way, and in a very literal sense, Arthur and Eames become very close in dreams, and they're, they communicate with each other through dreams, and they're in this facility where Eames isn't even really who he says he is. At one point, Arthur finds out that he'd been helping, like, kind of manipulate something with Arthur, and then that trust does it out the window briefly, and it's very complicated, and it's very whirlwind, and it's very, like, EMC's sees Arthur and is immediately seemingly besotted. We get the sense that he is genuinely besotted, but he's also sort of using that in some ways. And then they meet each other later, much later, and they have to figure out how to rebuild this relationship that never even really existed in reality. And I really love that. Not to get into renegotiating relationships with each other in the future when there's new (laughs) contact and you're different people, Mm. blah, blah, blah. Everything's fine. Um, (laughs) But I just really like that. And I like that this fix seemed to do some work, not directly in the text in terms of like saying this is what's happening, but it did do some work to make them reestablish who they are to each other. And what they want from each other in a situation where they can be rooted in reality and not in this kind of fantasy land that they were in before.
2: Yeah, I want to get a little bit more into the arthur Mall relationship because I think the author made a really interesting choice here. Um, so the fix starts out with the two of them becoming friends when Arthur's in an undergrad and Mall is his TA. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, because Maul is dead by the beginning of the Inception movie, all you get is, I guess, that one line of him sa- telling Ariadne, like, she was lovely. And so I just think it was a really interesting choice for Pru to be like, actually, the relationship with Maul starts with Arthur and not with Dom. Like, you see the two of them build an incredibly, incredibly intense and, like, almost arguably codependent friendship. Like, their lives are so, so, so deeply intertwined. Um, and then Dom comes along And not just because their lives are intertwined, but just because um, he is described as being sort of, like, a very plain, boring-looking dude. Um, Arthur is, like, him? Maul? Like, really? Are we sure? Um, And then you sort of watch as the dynamic shifts a little bit when it becomes the three of them. But it's still very much, like, Arthur and Maul all the way through. Um, Like, you watch them in school. You watch them, as Brenna mentioned, uh, sort of, like, first discover the passive device and then, like, struggling in the facility. And, like... Even, so when they, by the time they work for the government, um, Mall and Dom are engaged. So like fully, that relationship is fully there. And yet still so much of the emphasis is on the two of them um, being Arthur and Mal. Um And yeah, so, okay. So when we had our pre-discussion yesterday, I was only like halfway through the fic. And so Nick gave us a rundown of sort of the the rest of the fic and how it goes, uh, which is quite quite sad for quite a bit. Um but there is a bit where um, after they like after they left the government, like after Arthur's on the run and then has like made some contacts and whatever. And so he's he's in New York for Christmas. And at this point, he is like together with Eames and they're happy. And like Mal and Dom have one kid. And like uh, you just find out that Mal is pregnant with their second child. Um, and basically both of them are like, oh, I like never could imagine that we would have all this. And Moll says something akin to like. Like, we've grown in so many ways, but I'm so glad that we have each other. Like, that we've grown together and, like, through this together. And just knowing what's to come in, the like, the way that they will grow and deviate as Mal and Dom begin to explore more of, like, going deeper into the dream. And then, obviously, what ends up happening with her, like, the canonical way that her story goes, like, that line was horrible. It was horrible to read because you got so invested in this, like, super deep friendship and, like, this intense bond they had. They, they had changed a, a lot. A lot. They went through some pretty horrible stuff, um, but they came out through it together. And just as a reader, like knowing that wasn't going to last. Ow, it hurt. Yeah, I'm totally obsessed with the intimacy of this
0: friendship. Um, that's part of why I felt like the first the first bit of them becoming friends read like a New Yorker short story. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the kind of thing you would see there. Um, one of the lines I pulled that I really loved was Arthur thinking about this friendship that he was developing with Maul and the speed of it. Um, it's as dizzying and nonsensical as lust. And I said, I love this about navigating a new intense friendship because it's so... <laughs> Sorry, my next note says, oh my God, I have mixed up Arthur and Eames again. <laughs> uh-huh. But before mm-hmm. that... <laughs> I just really, really loved this, like, I don't know, it was quasi-romantic. One of the Tumblr text posts I found was that Arthur in Presque Vu is um, analogous to, what's his face, Nick from The Great Gatsby, and his relationship with Gatsby and with Daisy. Mm. This, like... Mm -hmm. at one point it's described as like emotional polyamory like this really intense closeness and intimacy that can't really be defined i thought it was such a fascinating thing to explore and it totally added to i mean there's so many moments well before we get into all of this intense plot in the back half of the fic where you really see the emotion around this friendship mal gets engaged and it's grief from Arthur it's nothing is going to be the same he's losing her and it's her. grief from her too oh absolutely yeah it's so ah, it's so rich um, and like you said to pull all of this from she was lovely <laughs> in the <laughs> film um, visionary some would say
2: I mean I feel like it's fandom doing what it does best um, truly also the fact that like Dom and Arthur got off to like I don't want to say a rocky start um, uh... they got off <laughs> it's fairly rocky i mean he was like kind of like eh, about dom before he got to know him then like maul forces them to have a dinner together and he's like you're you're okay but then it's like it's pretty so-so and then they like become closer but even even when they're good friends like even by the time they they get to the government um and like presumably the three of them are good friends like it still is this focus on arthur and maul and then there's a bit where eames makes kind of like a a somewhat like scathing remark about dom and arthur is surprised by the intensity of his own like loyalty to dom and i thought that scene was really good too the like not that he didn't already know that dom was super important to him but it was that sort of like the visceral anger at like his friend being spoken about that way and he was caught off guard by his own feelings um it is such an interesting dynamic
1: kind of on a very different note but I mean (laughs) similar like it's still the same fic obviously um Brenna's here to talk about a different fic (laughs) (laughs) like talking about sort of like the emotional intensity of this fic I kind of wanted to get into some of the stuff that happens a little bit later on in it and just as a heads up for the listeners like this is very much going to get into some of the content warnings that we gave um so yeah just want you to be aware because sometimes we give those and then we kind of skirt around that stuff anyway. Yeah, that's um, true. But I'm going to directly talk about some of it now. So, um, yeah, I I thought something that was like very interesting about this fic is that it sets up this deep emotional relationship between Arthur and Mal, and you go into this knowing if you see Inception, she's going to die, um, and more specifically, like she's going to kill herself. Uh, so. You kind of have that knowledge in the back of your head this whole time, even though I did catch myself completely forgetting about it at points because she feels so present in so much of the story in the way that she doesn't at all in the film. Because, again, in the film, she's just Dom's memory that, like, you're encountering. Um, She's not a a person of her own. Um, So you kind of go through this, like, knowing that's going to happen, like, not necessarily within the fic, although it does happen within the fic, but, like, you know that it's going to happen before the movie events so like i just thought that was kind of like an interesting choice as well or like maybe not even choice but just like the fact that that happens before the movie starts like makes reading about this relationship take on like a new element but then also like something i kind of wanted to talk about a little bit was um arthur like he kind of runs away from the Uh, government contract that they're on and becomes kind of like a criminal and is kind of renting out the passive to people who want these dreams and sometimes to like construct them for them as well um and he gets these clients who are these married this married couple who lost their daughter and they want to be able to dream with her again and from the moment that arthur says yes to this i'm like gonna be bad that there's Mm -hmm. no way this ends well it does not end well. It ends incredibly tragically. I'm not really gonna get like into the exact details of like what goes on there, uh, just because I don't think they're relevant to like my point. But I don't know. It was just like this. Fake does such an interesting job of like building up the meta of the Inception universe, and I think at the beginning, we're, these are such joyful dreams. And even once we get into the government kind of work of it, and they become a lot less joyful, that's still work. Like it. It's not until like. Dom and Mal start going, like, deeper and deeper into the dreams that you're like, oh, no. Things start to sort of take on, like, this more sinister feeling, because you kind of know how dreaming exists by the time you get to Inception. Like, it seems really cool and exciting at first, but, like, there is this underlying element that can be really horrifying. And not just because, like, people can die and stuff, but just how it can fuck up your brain. Like, the fact that, like, you can no longer tell, like, what's reality or not. And that happens so intensely with this couple that Arthur's working with, and... It parallels what you know happens with Mal so well. And I think it's interesting, too, how, like, Arthur working with that couple allows the author, like, Rage Rock, to not have to go that deep into what happens to Mal. Like, we see what happens to her, and the grief of that is dealt with very much on page. But we don't really get that much of an insight into her mind. And I think that's – we can kind of build that up both from what we know from Inception and what we know from, like – this couple that arthur worked with and i just thought that was really interesting and really well done this fic does not pull its punches in regard to the sort of like more horrific parts of the dreaming and i thought it was really effective um because yeah that part like the impact that it has on all the characters to like lose her is huge in this fic but like i just thought it was really interesting how it kind of builds up your understanding of how Mal went down this path that led her to her killing herself, like, is built up in so many other ways than just looking inside her head Um, in a way that I thought was, like, really effective. One thing that this is making me think of,
0: Bren, is Mal's first description, or, like, the first time she really talks about Dom to Arthur. Super, mm, super mm-hmm. early in the fic. Um, the line says he has beautiful dreams, I think. Um, My note at the time was, yeah, this fic is selling me whimsy early and I'm buying, which was true. Uh, But that's not my current emotion (laughs) reflecting back (laughs) on that line. Um, Which really is so much of what happens in this fic, whether it's events that are explicitly outlined and detailed on page or not, we still get so much about them from seemingly completely unrelated scenes. The thing that makes Maul fall for Dom is not his real self necessarily um she has this beautiful imagined picture of the way things should be and her dreams that she dreams up are so beautiful and stable and perfect like no wonder there was that blur no wonder she couldn't come back from these amazing like things and lives they had created together Um, so that was just what that brought up for me
2: yeah and Bren as you were talking I was thinking about um So previous, when Arthur had found out that Dom and Maul were experimenting with going deeper, he was, like, really angry. Um, And then when this very tragic thing happens with this couple, and then the wife does end up waking up a bit later, like, she tells Arthur that she went all the way down to limbo, which at that point, like, none of them had experienced. Um, And after that, Dom, Maul, and Arthur become, like, kind of possessed with testing the boundaries of dreams and the different levels and, like, what that all looks like. Um, And Arthur is thinking about sort of... An argument, like a years-long argument that he and Maul had on and off about the way that they approach dreams and reality and whatnot. Um, and there's a bit where sort of Arthur's like really losing himself to this research they're doing. And Eames is begging him to like come back to Paris where they live together and, and to sort of pull himself out of it. And he does. Um, and Maul's like, you shouldn't like let him force you to go, blah, blah, blah. Um, and the fic says, Arthur looks at her seriously because sometimes he thinks she forgets. Maul, he says, we live here. She blinks at him, cheeks going red. I know that, she snaps. And I was like, but do you? Like, you clearly don't. And just sort of like that creeping dread of being like, this is where it really starts to go downhill, where she and Dom start going down a road that she is not going to come back from. Um, Oh my God, yeah. Like Brenna said, this Vic does not pull its punches.
0: I also have a lot of thoughts about Arthur as our POV. I think, in in some ways, in an Arthur-Eames fic, your POV probably should be Arthur or Eames. Um, I can see that (laughs) being the logical choice. I also think for this particular story, Arthur was such an interesting choice. So, ficlets, I haven't done this in a while, but I am going to ask you to stay with me, um, because I have a hypothesis that I do need to uh, bring before you which is that Presque-Vu by Rage Prufrock is a work of Literary, capital R, Romanticism. Um, So for those not familiar, Romanticism was a movement in the arts and literature that originated in the late 18th century, emphasizing inspiration, subjectivity, and the primacy of the individual. Um, So that doesn't completely scan immediately, probably, to Presque-Vu, but I was so fascinated by how much of this story is actually about Arthur's determination to remain self-sufficient and to be realistic and to be pragmatic and to take care of his damn self, honestly. He makes so many choices that are specifically about not having to rely on other people, or if he does, he makes sure he has leverage. I think part of that is a lot of what actually impacts his relationship with Eames, and part of the reason it becomes rather unstable um, in the middle of the fic and kind of in that... Back third before they get back together. Um, This fic also has quite a lot of awe of nature, which is essential for romantic fiction um, or just romantic artwork in general. I think about Falling Water, the scene that Arthur brought the people who were most important to him to in dreams, and he also takes Eames in person towards the end of the fic, which is a really beautiful scene um the importance of different settings the importance of what things look like and how they feel and this kind of like lush immersion into different settings strong senses emotions feelings there's also this kind of devotion to beauty uh the the divinity of the feminine you see that a lot with maul i just think there's so many lines as i was reading i don't know why this popped into my head as we were like reading fan fiction for a fandom classic series (laughs) But I thought it was interesting and it made me really enjoy, I think, even more the choice of Arthur to narrate this entire story for us. We're in his head from start to finish. Um, and frankly, yeah, the very end of the fic, the conclusion he comes to after all of that is that nobody else can make him do anything. Yeah, it's the primacy of the individual, baby. He's making <laughs> his choices. Uh, so I just wanted to present that to the ficlets for um, adjudication. Let me know if you think <laughs> that I was accurate in that but it was an important thing I wanted to bring up
1: this also sort of goes off, off from there I don't really have anything more to contribute on that front I apologize Nick no it's um, okay. I think you did a good job of pitching your concept I just don't know a lot about that literary movement just so, shows me my argument um, was airtight so I appreciate yeah, it yeah exactly um yeah I think like I don't know to get back to like a number of different points that you sort of touched on and then moved away from like first off I think Read kind of mentioned that a lot of this prose is pretty straightforward like it packs in a lot of plot it's it's very it's very enjoyable to read um but it's not very like flowery um or anything like that like it's it's pretty straightforward about communicating its ideas to you but there are a few lines in it that like hit so hard for me and there's one line in particular that I kind of wanted to pull out because I think it really kind of is like the thesis of this fic and I think a lot of ways also points towards something about Inception as a movie that I think gets overlooked a lot um and it's it goes the geography of desire when there aren't any boundaries or limitations is both bigger and so much more humble than most people think and Arthur just keeps watching and making notes and keeping his thoughts to himself and I think especially like that first part about like the geography of desire like The majority of this fic truly is about wanting. Um, At first, it's just wanting to have these beautiful dreams, and it's wanting to not be having these dreams. Like, it's about wanting to be able to do something else with the dreams. It's about wanting something in your real life that isn't just in dreams. It's a, like, so much of it is predicated on desire, even when the characters are very practical. Like Nick mentioned, like, Arthur is a very practical character through a lot of this, very pragmatic about what's going on in his life. But his life is controlled like dreams are desires or they can be fears but like they're manifestations of things generally you know and like in this world where they're creating their dreams so often they are desires that's like why all these people keep getting kind of addicted to dreaming um and i just thought that line really underscored a lot of what's going on in this fic and like kind of also forces you to look at certain elements a little bit differently and like Kind of renegotiate Arthur's relationship with what's going on. Like, he presents everything so straightforward, but you know that there's a lot more going on emotionally, like, under the surface for him. And I think it's interesting to, like, have that relationship with the character as a reader. I also think, like, okay, I'm someone who enjoyed Inception a lot the first time I watched it. I've enjoyed it on every subsequent rewatch as well. Does it hold up perfectly? Like, no, no movie's ever going to. But Reed and I rewatched it, like, last year. I still really liked it. I thought Nolan's concept was still really engaging. The execution held up well. Like, I liked it a lot. I know for some people, going back to it years later was kind of disappointing, but it wasn't for me. I had a good time. Um, I'm also definitely a sucker for, like, a good, interesting sci-fi concept. This is a great one. But I think one of the things that, like, makes it good, and this kind of gets back to, like, my feelings on a lot of sci-fi, is, like, there always has to be a human element for me in order for science fiction to be compelling. And I think, like, in, in Inception, you get so wrapped up in the mechanics of everything, in, like, how the dreams work. Are they going to be able to get out? Like, how is this heist happening? Like, there's so many genres sort of packed in to that movie. But so much of it is, again, built on a foundation of, desire like they have to tap into their like mark's desires to be able to build these dreams they have to use their own desires to be able to build dreams and keep them safe like so much of it hinges on dom's desire to be able to get back to see his kids but also his kind of desire that he won't admit to himself about like wanting to just be in the dream with mal still and like how that kind of brings everything crumbling down on the team like i think that kind of gets overlooked in sometimes in favor of looking at just like the kind of like mechanics of inception which are admittedly really compelling i think but like i don't know that line just really stood out to me as both something that worked really well for this fic and also connected inception as a movie really well to like the meta that this fic builds out
2: do you ever listen to your friend talk about a thing they're passionate about and just feel like overwhelmed with like, love <laughs> and adoration? Like Brenna was talking about the like, humanity and sci fi. I'm like, yes, this Look, is my fate. No, oh, like genuinely. I was filled I'm with a here, desire
0: like, to call her a nerd, but I no, also. No, I
2: was that. sitting here. Um, it's comical, I know. <laughs> It's, this is going to seem unrelated. It's not. I have a, I have a digital photo frame where anyone can upload photos into it. And um, there is one photo that I think Nick uploaded that is a Brooklyn Nine-Nine meme that says, well, first off, I love Brenna. So jot that down. And <laughs> yeah. that, is, that is my mood right now.
1: It's one of my Guys, favorite reaction just, images. I know, this, I know this podcast is about fan fiction. And that's what we talk about here. Allegedly. But, like, fuck. My, you know how much I love science fiction. <laughs> and, like... It's hard, I think, to make compelling sci-fi. And again, is Inception a perfect movie? No. But I think it executes its concept really, really well, and I think this undercurrent of like the human emotions that push it forward. Um, like this fic really highlights that in a way that like just knocked it out of the park
2: for me. I feel like um if I had more of a brain for it right now, I could probably draw a parallel between you and i still deeply loving inception and you and i uh deeply loving pacific rim despite both of them being flawed <laughs> movies oh, probably. like there is some there's some through line there um maybe i'll it's come back to it later and sci-fi i think sharing head spaces with one another sort of the um the intimacy. unconscious things <laughs> intimacy yeah i mean part of this fic like one of the things I was thinking about with this fic was, like, you know, there's an extent to which the people dreaming are controlling the dreams or, like, choosing what to fill it with. But there's also a lot of sort of, like, what your own subconscious is, is putting back out to you. Um, like, I don't know, that one scene where Dom, Maul, and Arthur are on the beach and Arthur just starts, to like, turning rocks and shells over and finding little, like, items of, like, significant of secrets that Maul has uh, that she didn't mean to put there. Um, and there's something about... Yeah. I don't know what your brain chooses to give back to you when you're like digging inside yourself. And then I don't, something something Pacific Rim uh, <laughs> memories that people didn't mean to share. I don't know. I, uh-huh, I could uh-huh. I could do it in this essay. I could, but I won't.
0: Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, let's I have another point on this map, which is that one post about One Direction. Uh, oh we're back baby
1: we're back baby every (laughs) every episode
0: we could because I'm thinking about authenticity that you didn't necessarily mean to give to other people and how that is often something that is like that feels very valuable and meaningful and vulnerable to the person who is receiving it in some way
2: Well, there's a, okay, there's a scene in this fic where, when they're also working for the government, where the government is basically trying to test, like, what is the viability of, like, digging out secrets from people in a more roundabout manner. Um, And so, uh, Arthur, Dom, and Maul enter, like, Eames' dream, um, where he has, like, hidden some secrets for them to go find. And, like, Arthur kind of goes on his, like, own little adventure, and then it's just, like, hanging out with Eames, and then Dom and Maul show up. Um And they find the thing that he had hidden, but they also pull out um a heart shaped locket and Eames looks like genuinely startled to see it. And he's like, where did you get that? And they're like, oh, like a couple locations back um in in a pair of blue shoes. And, you know, that Arthur was wearing those shoes and like Eames is seems legitimately just like caught off guard. Um, and I was thinking about a different fic. That I have read in the past about dream sharing where someone fishes up their own heart out of a pond, and I was like, yikes, and this is pretty much the same thing where it's like, here is your open beating heart and all of your feelings on display for people to root around through.
1: Yeah, I also like. Okay, two points really quick off what Reed was just saying. Um, first wanted to acknowledge that like Eames's dream in this uh scene has some uncomfortable elements to it. Um, as like a reader, uh exoticizes kind of like Tokyo and Japanese culture in a few scenes and pushes it in some directions that were like fetishizing yeah (laughs) Yeah. not comfortable to read um yeah so just a heads up about that as well we didn't include it in like our main content warnings but I kind of wanted to throw it out there as we were talking about this this bit of it um but I also wanted to talk about something that happens like right after that dream going off of what Reed mentioned about them pulling up this locket like Dom kind of confronts Arthur about it afterwards and like has this whole little like Arthur sort of like well it doesn't really mean anything it was just like in a dream and Dom um, sort of has like a very dumbledore like of course it's happening inside your head <laughs> Harry. Lying. But why shouldn't it mean that it's not real? Yeah or exactly exactly <laughs> um that's all I could think about while reading that line but I just also thought it was really interesting because at that point these sort of like this element of, like, oh, it's happening in your head, but that's also real. is kind of treated with this element of, like, whimsy and that it's revealing these feelings of and Like, that's kind of, like, nice. Like, you can't be dishonest inside these dreams. The way that sort of, like, curdles, I guess, over the course of the fic, and, like, the way that we realize that the blurring between dreams and reality is absolutely not a good thing, but instead the thing that, like, ruins people. Um... was just fascinating to me because also like Dom's not the like emotional character in this fic like he's not the sentimental one generally um and so for him to have a kind of very sentimental moment with Arthur then just like that concept just deteriorates throughout it I don't know I really liked looking back on that element and kind of seeing how that plays out in these like horrific ways
0: and it would have been so easy to foreshadow that with such like a Very early on after the first dream, but Arthur didn't know what was yet to come or something. Like it would have been so easy to lay some breadcrumbs and the author didn't do
1: it. I'm obsessed with like how little foreshadowing we get. Like there's none. It's so good. Yeah.
2: It's like the foreshadowing you get is only in what building blocks you can see them making for the movie itself. Like when they're first figuring out the role of like an architect or who is the dreamer constructing whatever when you're watching them. Yeah, build what is going to be sort of the quote unquote rules of dreaming in the movie, but the foreshadowing for the the plot of this fic not not in the slightest. Mm-mm. Um, since I talked about the heart locket, I do just briefly want to talk about Arthur Eames, which I think is fair because this is theoretically an Arthur. Do they Eames have like ship?
0: a portmanteau, Eamther Oh, Eames. Arth- bat. Are <laughs> bat uh,
2: both are arms. bad. <laughs> arms. Arms. Arms is pretty good, I think. Ear. <laughs> no i liked arms better i didn't enjoy Um, that at all (laughs) i was just wondering um but one thing about their dynamic that did make me gourdless is um i would argue that the first phase i guess of their relationship was slow burn um because they're in this like government facility and as one of you mentioned like oh nick i think that like Eames is clearly besotted. It's a little bit like he's putting on a show, but also like there is there are feelings there. At no point do they actually get together until um, uh, literally Eames has a passive suitcase in hand and is like, haha, I actually am a criminal and a thief and I'm not working for the British government and I'm leaving right now and you should come with me. And Arthur's like, I can't. And they kiss and it's very dramatic and full of feelings and then they don't see each other for like quite some time. um, But which i that scene that scene between the two of them did make me shriek for a good. number of reasons. So yeah, so then they go through this period of not seeing each other for quite a long time. Um but okay, part of their relationship D- Eames steals money and paintings from a very rich man who was sort of like uh Arthur's benefactor who like people assumed Arthur was hooking up with he was not. Um, and when Arthur goes to convince Eames to give all the stuff back, which is the first time he sees him in two years, uh, they decide to keep two of the paintings, um, including one whose title I'm about to look up right now, which is "Ib and Her Husband by Lucian Freud. Um, and it, the painting sits in their little Parisian apartment and whatever is very romantic. And then they have, I don't even want to say a horrible breakup, just like a very complicated whatever, but they do like break up. uh and one day while Arthur is traveling, he sees the painting just, I think, in an airport um, and realizes that's kind of like the final nail in the coffin. Like it it shatters his heart seeing that it had gone up for sale by a quote unquote like private collector. Um, like, yeah, for him, that feels like sort of, yeah, the nail in the coffin of that relationship. And then at the very, very end, that, that epilogue that we were talking about... Um, Arthur shows back up and is basically like, I would asked if he'd forgiven me and you never answered. And Eames is just staring at him. And Eames is like, okay, I'm going to go. Don't, don't go anywhere. Stay in my apartment. I'm going to leave. And Arthur's like, what? Um, and Eames doesn't come back for a number of days. And when he does, he is like winded and has a tarp. And I said in my notes... It's going to be the painting, and I'm going to scream. And then a couple lines later, Arthur pulls (laughs) off the tarp, and it's the fucking painting. And then I said, it's the painting, and I am, in fact, screaming. Uh, Fucking gordless. Like, this is what I was saying about the epilogue feeling so earned, that, like, you had had all of this buildup of, like, what the Parisian apartment meant, what this painting meant, all of this, like, intimacy between them. The fact that, like, Eames doesn't even tell Arthur, I've forgiven you. He just leaves, and Arthur stays in the apartment for multiple days, and every day, it's, I'm going to leave today for sure. But then he wakes up and he cleans something else and he oh reorganizes something else. And it's every he day. He's like, telling
0: himself he's going to leave and he, stays, and, he stays, and, he stays, and he stays and he stays and he stays and he stays. And he stays and then Eames comes
2: back with the painting. Yeah. Um, I just feel like the, the ship of Arthur and Eames is something we both have and haven't talked about this whole time. Like we've talked about it and then glanced away. <laughs> and I do just want to say that it was fucking phenomenally done. And thank you, Prue. They're in love and they have happy life.
0: Maybe. there. Yes, I do. hope so. I
1: decided that they do read okay. Opposite Energy of Brenna with my Vic last episode. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Felix. I just thought it was more interesting. But here they already have to grapple with that unreality aspect so much. And, like, right. the, I mean, literally, this is why last time I was like, Inception? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, enterprising ficlets may remember that in the past, with our fandom classics episodes, we solicited feedback from listeners and ficlets who have read this fic and who have some, you know, experience around it, memories, thoughts that they wanted to share. Um, and we really love doing that. It's one of, it's, I feel like, it's one of the really beautiful things about this series. Uh, I have good news and I have bad news. (laughs) I'll start with the bad news. So the bad news is Mm -hmm. an absolutely gronkering our schedule in the months of October and November. um, We are recording now a week after our previous recording instead of our usual two weeks. October was just an absolute, um, I'm not going to say shit show because we got it all done, but it was really a journey. Mm -hmm. So... And in all of that, we were not able to solicit ficlet feedback. We're so sorry. Um, The good news is that a lot of people already have said a lot of things online about the movie Inception. So we figured, do a little bit of mix and match. Frankensteining, you could say, borrowing from the terminology of Halloween, which recently passed. And like, what if we took ficlet names and random reviews from the internet and we put them together and we still did the segment so that's what we're gonna do thank you to the ficlets in our discord server who agreed to let us use their names for this we appreciate you so our first review is fairly concise five stars from ficlet rita who on september 15th 2021 just said my mind is collapsing sorry to hear that rita thanks for writing (laughs) in
1: uh next up our ficlet emma wrote bro what if The only way to get out of the dream was to kiss, but you were a projection. There are a lot of emojis in here, too. Um, Here, let me try and do it with with the emoji so you can get the full uh, scope of it. Bro, what if, question mark emoji, the only way to get out, no walking of the (laughs) dream emoji was to (gasps) emoji kiss, kissy face emoji, but you were a projection, little screamy face emoji. (laughs) With those descriptions. Yeah, that was perfect. I have no idea what any emoji is actually called and I don't I want to turn. learn. Of, no, I liked it.
2: Yeah. Thank you to Ficklet Dana, who said, The plot of Inception is literally, Wake me up. Wake me up inside. So, so true. true.
0: And finally, a hearty thank you to Ficklet Bisexual Shakespeare, who said, I have had a most rare vision. I have had a dream past the wit of man to say what dream it was. Really beautiful words. Thank you so much for writing in.
1: So, yeah, those were definitely from our ficlets and not from um, reviewers online. Um, and also William and Shakespeare. Also an acclaimed poet, the Bard, perhaps, <laughs> the Bard um, people himself. know him as. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, definitely not. So if we are to believe
0: that Presque Vogue, by Rage Rock, a really wonderful fic. Honestly, I think we can all agree that it was a great read and that we're really glad that we brought it. Um, If we can agree that it is a prime example of the Romanticism movement from the early 18th century. Nope, sorry, the late 18th century. It's got to be clear on my time there. uh, If we're in agreement of that, um, then I think it's only fair if we follow the free manifestation of our personal impulses out of this discussion and into the outro. We'll meet you there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of FitClick. We hope you enjoyed it um, because it was extremely good. If you want more of us in the future, you can find us all over the place on the internet. Here are some places. You can find us on Twitter at FitClick. You can find us at Tumblr at fitclick.tumblr.com. You can also send us an email if you'd like to at fitclickpod at gmail.com. We do check our email and respond. So if you want to send us something longer form or like a bunch of links or something, that's probably a good place to do it.
1: If you think to yourself every week, wow, I really like FitClick, but I wish it was more of a community atmosphere, you could join our Discord community (laughs) to (laughs) obtain that atmosphere. There's a link on our Twitter. Um, That's probably the easiest way to find it. Uh, And we'd love to see you there.
2: If you just feel so enthused, overjoyed, delighted by fit Click. and you want to rep it in your everyday life you can pick up some of our merch um we have some lovely merch designed by brenna on our red and the link to that is on our twitter as well
1: If you also feel overjoyed by FitClick and want to leave us a review, that would be awesome. You can do so on Apple Podcasts or another podcast hosting site of your choice if it allows reviews. Uh, We still are a pretty small podcast and rely a lot on word of mouth and things like reviews, so we'd love it if you wanted to leave us one. Um, Additionally, If you want to retweet an episode or tell a friend that you think might like FitClick, that'd be awesome. Yeah, like I said, uh, word of mouth is the biggest way that we grow. So we really appreciate it when we
2: see you guys doing those things. Thank you so much to everyone who signed up for our rec exchange. Um, If you signed up, your assignments will be coming out in a couple of days. Um, If you didn't get a chance to sign up, no worries. Definitely still keep an eye on our Twitter um, because when reveals come out, we will post a full Google Doc of all of the recs. You will have a reading list set for months um so yeah thank you to everyone excited to be jumping into the next phase of that and like i said even if you did not get to sign up there will still be fun stuff for you as well
0: in the spirit of recommending fan fiction our next episode we are back to our three fic format we're doing it a little bit special it's our second annual internal FicClick host (laughs) rec exchange we're very excited so last year I recommended a fic to Brenna, Brenna recommended a fic to Reed, and Reed recommended a fic to me. This year, we're switching it up. We're pulling out what you might call the Uno reverse. Um, So we are recommending in the opposite order. So Reed, would you like to tell the ficlets what you are recommending to Brenna?
2: Sure. Um, And really quick, uh, just so the ficlets know... Usually like we talk about our pick choices beforehand but with our internal rec exchange <laughs> um we keep them hidden uh, until this moment so that you can I get no some idea what's about
0: to happen live
2: and fresh reactions on air so Brenna my beloved friend um mm-hmm. last year ominous uh, yeah. <laughs> nemesis Last year, there was a time where we sat at a bench outside of your apartment complex and you literally shrieked about a book, but you wouldn't tell me anything about it because you wanted me to read it so very badly so that I too could be out of my gourd. And then I did, and I was. Um, That book is Gideon the Ninth, and I thought Mm -hmm. it would be very fun to bring a Gideon the Ninth fic. Uh, So what I have brought for you is Faster Love Than You and Me by Lighter Denial. It is, of course, Gideon Harrow. Um, It is canon divergent, um, mildly spoilery, I guess, for the first book, kind of. It references some stuff, but it, like, takes an immediate detour from where the book goes. Um, I brought this because I really liked it, and also my hope is that it being canon divergent will make it more accessible to Nick, who has not read this book series. (laughs) um, But yes, I am excited to hear your thoughts about it.
1: I'm excited to read it. I... Completely forgot that that was even a fandom you might write music for, but that's really... I'm hyped. I love that choice. Yay.
0: All right. One for one so far.
1: Yeah. Brenna, you want to tell us what you got for Um, The other day, I was like, Nicole... Uh, I need options for you as to what to bring you for this rec exchange. And Nick was like, Yeah, let me just get into a new fandom really quick. And I was like, But can it not be K pop? Because I'm scared of those tags mm-hmm. on AO3. It's understandable. Um, and then Nick sent a screenshot that was like, Where to watch Supergirl? Um, so then I did start reading Supergirl fanfiction. <laughs> So this fic is called Lena Dies on a Wednesday by AO3 user Kara Loves All the Girls. It is a time loop sort of canon divergent fic. I yes. assume it's canon divergent. It does seem to have a lot of canon in it, but I don't know the Supergirl canon. <laughs> me so neither. Um, I do think it's pretty accessible, though, because obviously, like, I read it and enjoyed it with little canon knowledge. So hopefully my hosts will, co-hosts will feel the same. Um, yeah. So that's what I'm bringing. That's so exciting. Thank you. Ooh, just the title got me hyped. Reed, are you ready?
2: I don't know. I have not a single clue what you're bringing for me. Well, you're about to, because I'm going to tell
0: you. Yeah. So,
2: (laughs) um,
0: yeah, I was thinking about what I thought Reed would, like, not only, like, enjoy, but, like, actively want to read. (laughs) Um, And so I flipped around through a couple fandoms, and this one, I'm really, I feel somewhat confident that you haven't read it. If you have read it, you didn't leave kudos, so I feel like that's on you (laughs) rather than me. (laughs) Um, but this fic is called Sleeping in the Shadow of an Other Self by Nonwall. Um, and it is for Critical Role Campaign 2. The pairing is Essex slash Caleb. And it is also canon divergent. Um, Brenna, we're going to have to catch you up to speed a little bit. There's a lot going on <laughs> yeah. here that is canon. <laughs> I, I was able to follow it fine. As someone who is like, I see Essex and I'm like, I don't know that man. Um, so I feel like it's probably okay, but I will catch you up to speed on the important stuff. I'm really excited about it, though. It's really good. Some of the tags are found family, unreliable narrator, resurrection, pining, literal sleeping together. There's like a lot of really good stuff here, and it just finished updating earlier this month. So, really yeah. excited.
2: I have not read it. I am delighted. Yes. I read like other Shadow <laughs> Guest picks. I,
0: I know that's why I was one. so scared. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I just finished updating. I don't think Reed's been reading that much
2: (laughs) crit roll thick lately. (laughs) No. Wow, amazing. Yay. Good work, team. Yeah. So you all can look forward to that episode coming out on December 10th.
1: You're waiting for a train and you don't know where that train will take you. I'm getting on the train, though. Bye. (laughs) I'm going to go be in limbo for the next two weeks until this episode comes out. Bye.
2: I'm going to break into a government facility and steal government secrets and then go on the run for a couple of years. Okay, bye. Years. Okay, bye, Reese.
1: (laughs) Bye, Reese. Oh,
2: Oh, no.